Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Dana Workman from Haunted Highway on Sci-Fi, and you're listening to The Ghost Host, Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. Boom. This is Bill Murphy of Sci-Fi Channel's Fact or Fake Paranormal Files, and you're listening to The Ghost Host, Sophia Tipparelli on LiveParanormal.com. Hey everybody, this is Rex Williams, the medic from Destination Truth, and you're listening to the ghost host, Sophia, on LiveParanormal.com. This is True TV's haunting evidence investigator, Patrick Burns. And Ghost Hunters author, Marley Gibson. And you're you're listening listening to Ghost Ghost Host, Sophia Tipparelli. Ian, Michael Perry. And we're here... Hello, we're here at the Ghost Host with Sophia Temporelli and Weekly Paranormal.com. Weekly, weekly at LiveParanormal.com. <laughs> this is Stefan Brigatti from Pacific Coast Paranormal, and you're listening to the Ghost Host, Sophia Temporelli, on LiveParanormal.com. She rocks. This is Christopher Sanders with My Ghost Story on Biography. You are listening to The Ghost Host with Sophia Tipparelli on LiveParanormal.com. Hi, this is Professor Lloyd Auerbach, parapsychologist, and you're listening to The Ghost Host with Sophia Tipparelli on LiveParanormal.com. This is author Alexandra Holzer, and you're listening to Ghost Host Sophia Temporelli. Hi, this is Jeff Belanger, host of 30 Odd Minutes, founder of GhostVillage.com, and author of lots of your favorite paranormal books, and you're listening to the Ghost Host Sophia on LiveParanormal.com. Boo! This is Nick Groff, executive producer of Ghost Adventures, the original documentary in Ghost Adventures, season 1 through 10, and executive producer of Ghost Stalkers, author of Chasing Spirits, the building of the Ghost Adventures crew, and founder of NickGroffTours.com. You are listening to the ghost host, Sophia Temporelli, on LiveParanormal.com. Tune in. Hey, this is Zach Bagans from Ghost Adventures, and you are listening to the ghost host, Sophia Temporilli, on LiveParanormal.com. That's right, they're all correct in that. It's the ghost host show with Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com, and now on GhostHunting.com. So welcome to the new format there, too, as well, and also now on Spreaker, uh, the ghost host show. And congratulations, Sophia, on celebrating over 12 years of broadcasting here on LiveParanormal.com and GhostHunting.com. Thank you to all of our moderators for patching us through at live events when we had no internet feed. Thank you guys for all your help throughout the years. And Rob Sarek, the site founder, for making this all possible, too, as well. Your call-ins are welcome, 347-202-0316. That's 347-202-0316. As well, feel free to jump into the LiveParanormal.com chat room. It only takes a second to get an avatar, and you're part of the LP family here. Any questions for our guests, make sure that they're all caps in the chat room, too, as well. And as today, we welcome back renowned psychic medium, author, writer, artist, entrepreneur, podcaster, 
Call it you would ever after a medium host and uh, mediumship host and haunting lodge documentary psychic Jill Marie Morris. Everyone visit JillMarieMorris.com, Twitter and Instagram at the Jill Marie. The haunting lodge documentary is available at RobotNinjaMedia.com. Upcoming, we have author, teacher, and ghost tour host Robert Oaks. That'll be on the sixth. Uh, That'll be our first uh, guest coming back uh, from the. Uh, Christmas, Merry Christmas, everybody. So I had first guest of the new year, Texas Ghost Seekers team founder and Claire Audient. Alex Fountain will be on the program on the 13th of uh, January. We're New Jersey contributor, author, and uh, paranormal investigator Jim Paris. He'll be on the 20th. So you don't want to miss any of these upcoming shows. We have other guests that are securing their spots as well. So like the ghost host Sophia Temporelli uh, Facebook fan page to learn of the guests as we learn of them real time. Tonight on Light Paranormal starting at 7 p.m. Eastern, Beyond the Screen and Ghost Light Radio, as well as monthly Mondays right here. Chip Coffee of A&E's Paranormal States and also two on Kindred Spirits. He's right here, as well as Ben Hansen, Amy Goodwin, David M. Roundtree, Stefan Brigatti, Andy and Michelle Kopic and King Gearhard, many more right here on this very network. If you miss anything, free iTunes downloads are available of today's podcast on the homepage of Live Paranormal. We'll bring on the host here. Sophia, congratulations on 12 years of broadcasting here. Thank you. I can't believe it's already been 12 years. I know, and everything seems to be working fine. It looks like they kind of cleared the deck here at Live Paranormal. We had some glitches from... Apparently, it was from that uh, solar flare that happened just the day before because I, I couldn't get the mutes to work. I couldn't get the audio players to play, but it looks like so far, everything's working great here. So, okay, you got the Twitter. You got everything, the Instagrams. Where can people find you? I'm on Instagram at Temporelli and Twitter at Temporelli with one L because my name's too long. Yeah, we cursed you with a really long name there. Good thing your middle name isn't in there as well. But tell us about your guest, Sophia. Today, we welcome back renowned psychic medium, author, writer, podcaster, Hollywood Ever After mediumship host, and the Haunting Lodge documentary psychic, Jill Marie Morris. Everyone visit jillmariemorris.com, Twitter, Instagram, at the Jill Marie. The Haunting Lodge documentary that Jill was also featured in is available at robotninjamedia.com. Let's welcome Jill back into the show. And a lot of different platforms. Thank you so much. Here. Oh, there we go. Hey, Jill, welcome. Thank you so much for inviting me back. It's good to speak with you both. Well, thank you so much for coming back on, and congratulations on all your success over the years. Um, Yeah, it's just amazing getting to hear about everything you do on the show over the years. Oh, thank you, Sophie, and congratulations again on your 12 years. It's like kind of listening to someone grow up over the radio. It's awesome. Yeah, it's definitely weird listening to the old show. So um, luckily, I've hopefully improved, I guess. Uh, it depends on who you've asked. Um, but speaking of growing up and everything, can you tell the audience how you initially discovered your abilities and how your interest in paranormal grew? Was it experiences that you had as a child or was it something else? It kind of was a little mixed, but a shuffle in by my paternal grandmother because from a very young age, apparently I have a really good memory. They say that my earliest memory is approximately validated at about 18 months old. And I vividly remember that. But coming forward, I remember my paternal grandfather being alive and then he passed 
just before my second birthday. And I was a little confused. You don't have any concept of death or where people go per se at that age. But as I got a little bit older, there was something that came up when I was three to four years old that I mentioned to my grandmother, so my grandfather's wife, Esther, and she looked at me and I thought I did something wrong because in my brain or however this works, I could still see my grandfather even though I was being, I went, I remember going to his funeral. I remember standing next to the grave. So there's all Mm -hmm. of this weird stuff that was going on. And as I got older, my paternal grandmother reached out to my maternal grandmother, who she knew had abilities, and she goes, I think Jill's taking after you because she mentioned something nobody should know about that my grandfather told me after passing. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like in the way a four-year-old-ish would say, and it involved a ring. And that's kind of where my maternal grandmother Marie stepped in and just kind of kept an eye on me. And as I got older, started mentoring me. And that included, I want to call them games, but different exercises, talking about things, uh, different places she would take me and test me, especially the older I got. And, you know, that was kind of how it went, even right until her passing in 2000. It was just something that just kept unfolding that she really took me under her wing and I'm very thankful to this day for because I think a lot of people when they have experiences, especially younger, we're in a situation where you don't have somebody to really speak with about these things, Mm -hmm. you can, it's easy, easy to kind of fall way to go down a certain path. And it can be confusing because nobody, I don't care who they are, nobody really knows what's going on. We kind of all have experiences and collectively I think we can learn from one another. But that's that's pretty much what happened. And then I just, for the paranormal, especially the older I got, going through what I went through with my first husband as documented in the book 207, it just, it's an interesting shift because From that experience was really when I got heavily into the paranormal in the late 80s, early 90s, trying to figure out things psychically as a medium, Mm -hmm. what the heck is going on. And because I was Catholic at the time, everything was geared, speaking to our priests and talking to this one and talking to that one. But it's been a metamorphosis of from that point where he died to where I am today. So it's a journey just continuing to educate myself and learn and listen to others and share experiences. Absolutely. I mean, it's amazing that you've had those experiences at such a young age and were able to develop them, you know, with your grandmother. Um, How far back are you aware that the abilities go in your family? Well, as far as I know on my mother's side of the family, the maternal, so my grandmother's grandmother, my great-great-grandmother was full-blooded Chippewa from the Ojibwe, and um, they migrated down from Canada into western New York State, and she was actually a medicine woman for their tribe. She was a very astute psychic medium, 
And she raised my grandmother until she was about eight, nine years old when my grandmother was taken away with her sister and put in a Catholic orphanage. Um, Mm -hmm. It was kind of like the thing that would happen back in the day. But she, even at eight, nine years old, had been instilled some interesting things from Gertrude that she passed on to me. And she often said, you remind me from what I remember. There's a couple quirky things she said I do that reminded me or reminded her of her grandmother. And she goes, you remind me so much of her in a strange way. So, you know, that on that side, I recently learned on my paternal side of the family there's a really high prevalence of ESP. And mm-hmm. that has all, that goes way back. And on that side of the family, I think intuition was super strong. Only for my great-great-grandfather on that side of the family was a special agent in the FBI, and he was one of the first agents oh, wow. to visit every, every state in the continental United States. And he had excellent intuition, and I do think that's part of Anybody that is using their abilities, I think we all have it. How we tap it is is unique to each person. But I think that would be a really good example of that. But, yes, from what I'm hearing, there's a lot of prevalence of ESP on the paternal side of the family. So that's, it's kind of a weird mix, but that's it. Well, that's amazing um, to go back that far and find out about your gifts that you've inherited from your family and you know with that being taught to you through your family members what advice would you give to others um, trying to develop their own abilities that's a great question i think one of the biggest things is don't listen to one person that may be out in the front you have to get information from a lot of people and you really do have to compare notes because your experience is unique to you and it may differ greatly from other people that but that does not mean you're on the wrong path or you're not doing something right because you'll learn over time that as you start using those abilities uh, one of the fundamental things you can do is journal whether it's little words very brief phrases doodle draw i've been doing that forever when you start doing that in time and date stamp things and then you have something to go back to even as you're learning and growing in your abilities you have something in front of you to refer to because often people will say am i going crazy like i know this happened and there's no record of even though you may have said something it's just a really great reference to kind of keep your focus and to kind of help you through that. I'm not crazy. I did document this and it's amazing how things can correlate. Might not be immediate, but that's what you need to really start doing. Keep ears open. There's no, you know, be respectful of people and as you're working, you know, through things and just learn and grow and don't close off your mind to just one thing. That is like critical. We have a tendency, it's hard enough for people to go in to say, oh, it's a human spirit or it's this. But because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of energy going on and a lot of different things, you have to pay attention to patterns, behaviors, how things are behaving, whether it's spirit or elsewise. And that over time just will, you'll be able to better navigate 
with each experience, like comparatively. But it's really important because if you focus on what one person is doing, you may be losing something that you have that's either, you know, unique to you or is trying to open up another door for you to use that as a tool. Absolutely. I mean, it's so important to pay attention. You know, I, I feel like in this day and age, especially with technology and stuff, people want to be able to explain things away, but it's so important to listen to your gut and, you know, not brush things off at first glance and, you know, dive deeper into, okay, is this, you know, something that's explainable or is it not explainable? Right. And that's, that's a big thing too, is that if you can't explain something, that's okay. Because we, there's, there's kind of a thought process that I've noticed over many years that people, for the human brain to figure things out, it's like you want to put them in little boxes, these things that happen, and label them as A, B, C, D, mm-hmm. and E, and that this, everything behaves this way. But we can't do that because we don't know enough about how this works. I basically like to call it communication. It's, I think our brains, the way we're made, our energy, I think it's just a form of communication and that we, again, we can have these little boxes of experience, but we can't just want to put it in a box and label it as, oh, this is a human spirit or this is this, because sometimes we can miss some big things doing that. Absolutely. Um, Actually, you know, my mom was talking to a delivery driver um, from my neighbor's house yesterday, and he was saying how his house is haunted and his son's noticed it. And that's what my mom said, you know, listen to your kids. It's not just an imaginary friend. Like, it's real. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's one of the – if I'm speaking with parents or helping parents with their kids, whether little tiny children to, you know, teenagers and whatnot – one of the worst things you could do to any child is to say you're making it up or to brand them or label them as they're crazy or something's wrong with them or Mm -hmm. you're evil because of this. Like you just really have to objectively listen and be neutral. You can have your thought as a parent, obviously, and there are things you need to keep an eye on to look for that might not be correct, like from a, a health perspective, but at the same time, to, to shame them or to not listen to them or to fluff them off, and you hear you have this child or uh, kid that's going through this experience, and, you know, there are feelings of shame or that they've done something wrong or whatnot. So it's really, it can be a slippery slope for some parents, but most everybody that I've spoken with over the many years, everybody's receptive, but there is that reservation, mm-hmm. but just, yeah, no shaming the kids. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely so important. And I I think, too, you know, sometimes, well, my grandfather, my dad's adoptive father was mentally ill, and he lived in our haunted house um, before we lived in it. And I think that the ghosts were preying on his mental illness. So it's such a, like you said, a slippery slope of trying to figure out what, you know, is something you have to pay attention to medically and sometimes what also is maybe aiding in that. Absolutely. And that, I think, I did a massive career change. I kind of segued out of healthcare 
in 2011 after many years and working in critical care. So I usually worked in post-op open heart inpatient and I floated to ICU. So I had some really cool experiences, um, a lot of my nurse friends oh. also, doctors. And, and so I ended up going to work at that point in 2011, leaving healthcare and just going to a nine to five day job that I've worked since. And even before then, I was part-time there. But um, my point is, is that working in healthcare in that situation, in that setting, there were so many experiences that were shared with other employees, other staff members that that would be deemed more paranormal. And I think like Mm -hmm. from the doctors that I worked with, it was like, hey, you know, right before somebody would code, like... they would teeter like I could see them on the because I could read the monitors I would watch telemetry when patients were on telemetry that was one of my jobs and I could see if they were starting to desaturate or things of that nature we you know like hey something's going on with them or they'd go into an arrhythmia what was really interesting was those shared experiences were we could see just prior to most times, not all times, but just prior to them possibly coding or crashing and then coming out of it if they were able to come out of it. They would say, the patients would say, oh, I saw my brother who died five years ago, or you would have a patient that would, I'd been in a room many times, and a patient would see a deceased friend or relative, other staff members would be there, and then Unfortunately, you know, within hours to days, that patient would pass. So it's kind Mm -hmm. of like there is this whole thing, and that kind of led to an article I wrote a long time ago, but those shared experiences, it's like a collective, huh, well, if this is happening, you know, what is going on here? But those experiences are also really important. If you're isolated and somebody has a mental health history, or has it, or there's question if they do, you do have to be vigilant. You do have to watch for certain things. But again, that's kind of where remaining neutral and not judging or shaming. Uh, but you know, if you start to see trends, you know, you get a lot of information. Arm yourself, like I'm sure you know what you said. There are many times when. A negative influence can attach itself or want to attach itself to somebody that even is just physically sick, let alone mentally mm-hmm. unwell. So it's really important to kind of keep them separate, but at the same time, whoever is having those experiences, don't just outwardly put a a label on them or try to figure them out. Let, let somebody diagnose them that knows what they're doing, and then you can kind of listen to all the other stuff and see what happens. Absolutely. And it's amazing that you worked in the medical field. I mean, honestly, such, you know, a tiring field. I know it's very rewarding to help people, but you are able to do so much within the field too. So, I mean, like I said, thank you for coming on my show. But besides working in the medical field, you are also an author, if you want to tell the audience about that. Sure, and thank you. Well, 207 is the first book that I wrote. It came out in 2011. I documented to the best that I could the experience that I had that was really bizarre and just was, for a better lack of terms, a poop festival. 
of mm-hmm. what happened just prior to moving into a very old home from the mid-1800s in Waterville, New York, and the change that took place with my husband at that time after moving in, that was noticed by everybody. And then what ensued as a result of that, uh, I had some experiences in that house. It's all documented in the book. So 207 is my personal story. He did end up dying by suicide and had threatened right before he shot himself to kill my son and I. He was only eight months old. And it kind of sent me on a journey to, at some point, go through that and maybe help other people. There are a Mm -hmm. lot of things that come into play with that, but that's the first book. Saints, Sinners, and Sacred Ground was me going back and researching the history of the house, of the city that we had lived in at the time, and finding a very bizarre coincidence that there were so many deaths. There were 14 people that died in that house. That's documented. Three of them were suicides by suicide, one of which was my husband. Two of them, one of which was my husband, was the same manner in the same room of that house. So 14 people wow. died. I had, And you're talking wow. most of the deaths occurred over uh, from 1942 until the early 90s. And that's, you know, a time of modern medicine. And, yeah, mm-hmm. so there, it was just a more research approach, a historical approach. And I am still working away at part three, which is, like I said, there's been a huge shift in just keeping that open mind, learning, growing, and I think people are going to be really surprised by book three. I really do. It's just, like I said, it's just more of the journey and just an honest kind of approach to it. But that's that's pretty much it. Well, I mean, that's amazing. Um, I'm very sorry that you had to go through that experience. But um, I do think it's good that you were able to, you know, share your experiences for anyone else who's you know, I mean, there's so many, you wouldn't think so, but there's so many locations that have really horrific histories like that. And I think it helps for other people to know that they're not alone in that experience. I agree. And I think it's important too. one of the things, just in my opinion only, I think what can happen when people, when, especially when it's a more, I hate to use the word, um, openly known, widely known location where there's been mass casualties or trauma. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a, it does an injustice just from an energy perspective to just keep going over that location because what happens is the more people, the more energy. Not everybody has the same intentions, and it can really create, like some people just by knowing something happened at a specific location can come off with an effect from that that may not be anything more than them overthinking it or just putting their thoughts mm-hmm. into it. And that can, in itself can create issues. That can create its own thing from a paranormal perspective. But I think everybody really needs to be careful about how much a certain location may be um, – I don't want to use the word contaminated, but just overrun with it just does no service for from a spiritual perspective. I think it just that's why I don't like to 
do like Gettysburg. And I don't, I did the Lizzie Borden bed and breakfast weekend back in 2018. And it was, it was a great experience for all of the guests and myself, but I walked away from there saying never again, I will never go to a location like that again. Um, Only because of my personal experiences and what took place Mm -hmm. with a couple of the guests. And I'm like, no, this is just not something that sits right with me. I don't want to go to these locations that are notorious or infamously known. It just is very unsettling to me. So, and that's personal. So, you know, for somebody else, mm-hmm. good, go go for it. But I do think that, like, there is a level of awareness that needs to be held about, you know, the number of people that go traipsing through a location and what, what can go on. No, absolutely. I mean, I think it's so important in the field to have boundaries set. Um, I know for me personally, I I mean, you don't know what you're walking into when you're going to a location, but I try to avoid places with, like, specifically dark energy. Like, I don't ever have a desire to go to Goatman's Bridge. Like, I don't want to put myself in a place where I just know it's not good there. I don't blame you. That's good. And you're right. Boundaries. Yeah. It is. And it's, it could be just like you said, Sophia, that it's your personal thing and that's okay. And I think mm-hmm. that we, anybody involved in the paranormal, if somebody does not want to go somewhere for whatever the reason, or if they want to go there for whatever the reason, don't shame them, but just, you know, that mm-hmm. those are their boundaries and respect them and just have your own experience, I guess, and take away from it what you do. Yeah, Yeah. and and like the Queen Mary, I could go to that location any day, but I have no desire to go back to the pool area because of the experiences I've had in there um, post Mm -hmm. my episode with Ghost Adventures. And, you know, I think that for anyone in the paranormal or wanting to get into it, it's okay to set boundaries and know what you're comfortable with. It doesn't make you a wimp. It doesn't mean you're you know, right. trying to back out of something. It just means that you know what your personal limits are because if you don't, you can get yourself into an even worse situation by leaving yourself vulnerable. Absolutely, 100% agree with you on that. And and it is, the Queen Mary's one of my favorite places to go. And the pool is very active. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, you know, that's some place, you know, on a tour from a historical perspective, I love the history. That's what I always am attracted to is a historical place, good or bad juju. Whatever happened, Mm -hmm. happened. But learning about the history and the Queen Mary's full of it, but the pool is definitely very active. Um, Yeah. So, yeah. That shadow man doesn't really like me in there, and I don't really like him. So it's very mutual. We've spent enough time together. I think we're both sick of each other. So, uh, yeah, that's really kind of my thing. But, you know, it's totally okay. And it's like that with, um, you know, residential hauntings, too. That's not my personal thing because I, I feel like you should have a personal life. You should have more life than I have as a 24-year-old um, to go in there and deal yes. with situations like that. And uh, so I don't think it would be responsible of me as an investigator to go do that. And um, having lived in a haunted house, it's just sort of like an opened wound still. So it's like, I I think it's okay to just know when stuff is like that. So I completely understand where you're coming from. And uh, I agree with you 100%. It's good to, you know, figure out what works and doesn't work for you. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like paranormal conventions. They look like so much fun to me but I can't go. Mm -hmm. I would never go. And it's 
it's like you do you, but I just the amount of people in the exposure to the energy and it's just like very mm-hmm. unsettling just from that perspective yeah. alone. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I can't, it has nothing to do with me not wanting to be a part of it. But again, it's more of a boundary thing personally, because mm-hmm. I'll leave someplace, even after an event, a large event, it's I'm wiped out, wiped out. Yeah. <laughs> just saying hi to people and, you know, of course, you throw in some strange people that, like, want to say, I want to stand in your dark darkness and feel your darkness. <laughs> How do you handle that on the fly? I just, you know, it's just I remove myself from those types of situations. So, yeah. Yeah, totally understandable. I mean, when you pick up on energy the way you do, that's, com- like, totally overwhelming. <laughs> I'm not psychic. I'm more of a sensitive, but... I yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not too big on going to like crowded places. It's just a lot yeah. and it leaves you not wanting to leave your house for like a month because you're just too wiped out. <laughs> so I completely understand. Yeah. Very good. Um, it it is something though. Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I was just gonna say we have to take a quick commercial break, but we'll be right back with more questions and hear more about your amazing story. Uh, Ghost Toast Show with Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. We have a caller, too, as we come back uh, for the late edition of the show. Uh, uh, feel free to call in, too, as well, 347-202-0316. Uh, for Jill Marie Morris and uh, readings, anything uh, for Jill Marie, uh, JillMarieMorris.com, Twitter and Instagram, at the Jill Marie and the Haunting Lodge documentary, which we'll be talking about, too, as we come back. It's available at RobotNinjaMedia.com. That's RobotNinjaMedia.com, the Ghost Host Show, and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Dustin Perry, the Paranormal Rockstar, and you're listening to The Ghost Host with the most, Sophia Temporelli, only on LiveParanormal.com. for joining us on History FM Radio on LiveParanormal.com and History.fm. From paranormal to the unexplained history, it all happens here. Looking to enhance your radio experience? Participate in live interactive chat 24-7 with our radio show hosts and other like-minded people on www.liveparanormal.com. The only interactive social chat room supported by full interactive media. Stop by now and join in on the fun. Zach Bagans from Ghost Adventures, and you are listening to the ghost host, Sophia Temporilli, on LiveParanormal.com. Not only am I Dave Schrader, but I'm Dave Schrader of Travel Channel's The Holzer Files, and you're listening to ghost host <laughs> Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. I feel left out. I wanted to throw myself it's into your mix of, of voiceovers now. I love it. You know, uh, it's almost like we didn't leave break. Oh, poor Dave left out. Yeah, we're having a little slowing. I'm trying to unmute you guys right now, Jill Marie and uh, Sophia. Okay, now we got Jill Marie back. And it, just during that, um, 
Is there something you've uh, felt or sensed about Sophia since being on the show, like uh, her direction, anything that you picked up? Direction-wise, so they're, okay, filtered or unfiltered, Sophia? You know the deal, like filtered because you want to only positive to neutral. You know, I can't guarantee what's going to, okay, go ahead. You can tell me whatever you want. Okay, so there's something that sh- that shaped a shift for you, and it involves fear, but that fear thing kind of changed your direction with w- the way that you are going, but it's not a bad thing. It's actually a good mm-hmm. thing. So that's why I said filtered or unfiltered, because it's not meant to scare you. It's just something that I, I pick up on with you. So what yeah. as you were going, I want to say especially two years ago, maybe – maybe three years ago. So in that frame, um, time frame of two to three years, it's almost like, mm-hmm. like frozen. I, I don't know what this is that I'm seeing other than you literally responding to something and like freezing, not knowing what to do. Like it was very mm-hmm. all-consuming for you. So that shaped, it kind of like put you on a little bit of a different trajectory. So it's more of, a path now for you that is more self-exploration versus outward exploration. Does that make any sense? It's like you have to figure something, and I I have to say this, if this does not involve your space, your personal space, I would be shocked Mm -hmm. because it's literally, and this is another weird thing I'm seeing. You can correct me if I'm wrong here. Was there something about a trunk like a chest? You know what I'm talking about? Um, a trunk. nothing with a trunk or chest. I definitely know what you mean, just like with the fear in the past two to three years, though. So. Oh, my goodness. Because, so, it's like unpacking this chest in something you mm-hmm. take out. And I really, it's interesting because I see it as li- literally a physical thing. I don't see it as a symbolic mm-hmm. thing. But in any event, I see you unpacking this kind of, in it, whatever you're taking out of it, which it kind of, to me looks like cloth, almost like a, not a blanket, but like fabric to a dress, like an older dress. And I want to say 1960s for some reason, but looking at this makes you go, no, I'm right. I need to do this for me. So there, that Mm -hmm. shift goes back to about two to three years. Does any of that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, a couple of years ago, my aunt got diagnosed with breast cancer, and then she got better, and then she got brain cancer, and then she passed away. Um, And so that was a a really tough year. And then, uh, you know, just dealing with that at the beginning of this year, she passed away in November of last year. And then, I'm sorry. you know, things are calming down. And then my dad's family showed up, which was exciting, but also just really weird. Um, then my grandma uh, got Ramsey's Hunt Syndrome or Bell's Palsy. Um, she's getting better, but it's just been, yeah, the past couple of years have been just a lot. So I can wow. understand why you're picking up on that in the past couple of years, because it's just been a roller coaster of everything. That's I'm I'm very sorry to hear about, you know, your grandmother and your other family members. And it is so there's a, a really heavy influence though with you at this juncture, like let's say two to three years ago about the nineteen mm-hmm. sixties. Does 
so because you pull this out of the trunk like it's material from a dress and you're like, no, I have to do this for me. Whereas up to that point, I think you were on the trajectory of what am I going to do for the world in this? And I, that's why I think it was a shift that all these things as unsettling or, you know, unhappy, sad that they had been to go through uh, with your loss and, and all of these issues. I think that it's actually made you stronger. And I think it's made you more aware that your path is more of you need to fulfill yourself versus what you want, what you think other people want you to do. So look at these things, the lessons learned from each situation and just keep, keep, keep that at bay when you're trying to make decisions but you literally, it like froze you. It took you off that path and kind of like, it's almost like a, a moment where you had this, I just have to do this for me now instead of for everybody else. No offense, John. <laughs> no. So, or even Shirley. So it's just like one of these, it's making, making the best out of a bad situation, but you're actually on a really good path. So, yeah, I definitely I can, think so. Um, so I, I understand what you're picking up. Um, I don't know about 1960s, but I've had a particular interest in 1860s history of recent. Um, so I've been, you know, researching that and uh, just looking into that. So uh, the 1860s have been a particular interest. And, uh, yeah, I'm definitely working on stuff, uh, you know, for me right now and, and trying to create something paranormal-wise that I think is – something I would be proud of making and uh, I am definitely listening to my own opinion more on it and trying to make it something that I'm proud of. That's, that's perfect because that's what you need to be doing. And that's the shift. It's really funny you say 1860s because whatever you're taking out of this trunk goes back to that. And this is like, this is good for you. So this is a good reference tool. Just, you know, Mm -hmm. always listen to what's going on around you and those who are closest to you, but keep doing what you're doing. Listen to the and pay attention to the shift in the direction you're going. And I think it's, it's really going to be beneficial and more yellow comes through, which is really good as far as like a color, it's balance, it's physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, financial. So that comes through this. And as a matter of fact, whatever's being taken out of this trunk or this chest, this piece of clothing is from a period is Mm -hmm. definitely showing as part of the path to this yellow. It's coming up very yellow. So pay attention to that color too. Absolutely. Hmm. Um, Well, you definitely picked up on a lot of that. Um, It's definitely something I've been talking with my parents a lot about um, the past couple of weeks. So um, you were spot on oh about goodness. that. And speaking of your spot on readings, you were also a part of the Haunting Lodge documentary. If you want to tell the audience about that and your involvement. Sure. And thank you for watching that. Well, I got a call from Kendall and Vera Welton, and they're like, hey, we have a project. We We obviously have this agreement that don't tell me anything. I don't even need to know where I'm going, but just give me a little bit of time to prepare myself, meaning I'd have to coordinate at that point too uh, what was going on with my mom. But in any event, I just prior to the phone call, I had been having some mm-hmm. very strange things happen. 
So when they called me, I was like, this is weird. I think this goes back to what happened just recently. And they said, we have a case. And, you know, when the time comes, it looks like in the next few months or so, you know, we'll get you a ticket. And are you game for it? And I am. I don't trust many people to do that, but I do trust them. And I, you know, I don't ask questions and they're like, okay, if you're on board, you know, we'll send you some paperwork and just start doing your thing, documenting. And how I document could be notes, could be uh, drawings, a lot of drawings, and even before. So it's a mixture of remote viewing and just different things come up. It could be a host, it could be pictures of buildings, obviously, pictures that I'm just somehow getting a glance of uh, people. It could be things I don't can't explain. I don't understand. I wouldn't even begin to explain. But I just try to document it the best that I can. And maybe it's relative and maybe it's not. So how that works mm -hmm. is I just start shooting anything to them. So like literally it could be a day, it could be weeks, and nothing goes on, and then all of a sudden something comes through, and I'm like, I think this goes to this. And so I just started documenting, and they actually flew me into Alabama uh, when I got the plane ticket. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm going to Alabama. And then we drove into Georgia. <laughs> I was like, oh, we're going to Georgia. Okay. And so here, you know, they're already armed with a lot of stuff that I've been, you know, documenting and whatnot and it turned out to be one of the for me it was great because it was a shared experience other than just me having it because I've had these experiences let's say with non-human communication or inhuman communication mm -hmm. and that is where it differs from human spirit there's a different signature to the energy and there's there's a whole bunch of stuff at that location. So it's not just one thing. And I cannot tell you the number of times that literally I was speechless. Like I was shocked, like, oh, my gosh, this now makes sense. Like, or I can't believe this. Or like when I first saw the house, like we, they drove by the house. And I remember I'm like, something hit me as we were driving by the property and they turned around and they're like, why do you have that funny look on your face? And I'm like, I think that's the house. And they didn't say anything. And then they turned around the car and they went back in and I'm like, this is, this is bizarre. This is so mm -hmm. going through that experience and then trying to figure out what was going on. Apparently they had their own, you know, stories arms with from the hunters at the camp. Uh, before I had gotten there, and it just, it was literally like things unfolded over time. It wasn't just like a night there. We had more than a few nights there, and it, every moment was different. Like every, there was obviously human spirit interaction. There were these inhuman beings, and I just do my thing and I don't do it for attention. I just do it for more research and more of a personal kind of campaign for myself, like to challenge myself and to better understand why, why does this appear inhuman versus a human spirit? Like 
that was the perfect mm-hmm. situation for me to share with people because, again, I've been seeing lights and things like that since I was about eight years old. So dealing with kind of a form of what took place at the Haunting Lodge since I was about eight. So it's just a journey. It continues. It was completely life-changing. Um we there was there were so many hours of footage. I don't know how they got it narrowed down into sixty seven I think minutes because so much happened, and I didn't know about certain things until I saw the film, like I knew what we were experiencing, but I didn't know what had happened, like with the historian talking about lights and the history there and i I didn't even know where we were gonna be so it was it's just still mind blowing to me, but that whole thing has as scary as some people have you know understandably said they felt as scared as they felt watching it. It was a gamut of emotions, I think for all of us, I can only speak for me, but I was at times terrified, and then at times I was filled with joy, and it wasn't anything that I would say was negative at all. And that is the biggest message that I want to say about something like this in the paranormal is that, again, it's hard enough to convince yourself when you're having an experience like it's so surreal. Like you're like, what is going on here? Like what is happening? And you go through it and you come out and you look back and you're like, it was either good, bad or indifferent. And this was a good experience as surreal as it was. And we all experienced many different things and people need to keep an open mind it's not all a ghost in a house (laughs) so there's a lot going on a lot of energy so it's it's a journey i don't think it's over i don't think it's over um by any Mm -hmm. standards but yeah well i mean that's amazing uh yeah i mean when I talked to Kendall and Vera, they couldn't say enough about what you picked up on the Haunting Lodge documentary. So, I mean, it's incredible you got all of that. Um, and it really just, you know, added to, I, I think personally on any investigation, it's so important to have a psychic or someone to really verify the claims. And I think it's such an asset. So I think it's amazing that you were able to be a part of their documentary, even if you had to go to Alabama to then go to Georgia. <laughs> um, it's an incredible journey. Yeah, it was. And I, you know, I'm just a tool. And again, I don't do, I've passed, I, you know, I'm just saying I passed on a lot of popular projects, let's just say, because I, that might be good for somebody else to do, but that's not my goal. Mm-hmm. My goal isn't to be popular. My goal is what I do with the paranormal. I was held at gunpoint by somebody that had completely lost any semblance of reality and had been on this downward spiral in a house that was just sucking the life out of everybody. And I take mm-hmm. that, I think that's why I take things a lot more. I hate to say seriously, but that's why I'm not like, I don't want to be the next show to the next show to the next show. I love these special projects like the house in between one and two, and then this, and they're very unique and very different. And at the same time, it's a learning point for anybody that sees it. And, you know, everybody is entitled to their opinion on whether it's real or not, but I can speak for myself that 
what is experienced in all of those is very real and the haunting lodges over the top it's <laughs> a, a really incredible experience i'm thankful to be part of of course yeah i mean that sounds like an amazing project to have been a part of um I know we're coming towards the end of the show, though. This hour flew by, so we'll definitely have to have you back on again soon. Um, but for the audience, please let them know if there's any websites, upcoming interviews, events, or anything at all you'd like to mention. I'm on hold for a little bit. I am Nothing mm -hmm. is coming up. I have one project I'm working on I can't talk about. And unfortunately, but I will let you know on the website, jillmariemorris.com. The only thing I have now is the Instagram for social media. And um, you can find me, Jill Marie Morris, on Instagram. And of course, it would be on there. And that's pretty much it, writing and learning and, you know, just doing life and enjoying it. So thank you, though, very much for having me on. Of course. Thank Thanks you so, so much, much for you. coming on. Like I said, we'll have to have you back on soon. And again, congratulations on all of your success. I can't wait to hear about your upcoming project. Thank yeah, you we'll so much. You Take now. care. All right, I'm thank sorry. you. <laughs> Bye. You're welcome. Bye-bye. All, right. all right, we'll talk soon. Well, fantastic show, Sophia. Definitely, Jill Marie is such a great guest, as always. I want to thank you all for listening. This show definitely not be possible without all of you. I will talk to you guys again after New Year's, and Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays, everyone. Bye. Yeah, Merry Christmas, and yeah, the Haunting Lodge. You definitely have to see Jill Marie at work on this, and there's much more even behind the scenes, as we know from when we had uh, Kendall and Vera on, uh, producers of the film. So visit robotninjamedia.com. Uh, multiple formats uh, to choose from, too, as well, to view, uh, robotninjamedia.com. And Merry Christmas, everybody. Coming up, we have author, teacher, and ghost tour host Robert Oaks. That will be on uh, the 6th as we return from uh, the Christmas vacation and uh, the first guest of the new year. Also, Texas Ghost Seekers team founder and Claire audience Alex Fountain will be on the program January 13th. Weird New Jersey contributor and paranormal investigator Jim Paris returns to the program on January 20th. You don't want to miss any of these upcoming shows. So like the ghost host Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com Facebook fan page just to learn of the guesses we learn of them real time. And we'll see you two weeks from today on the 6th with Robert Oaks. Hi, this is Debbie and Sion Ghost Adventures. You're listening to The Ghost Host with your host, Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. God bless you all. for joining us on History FM Radio on LiveParanormal.com and History.fm. From paranormal to the unexplained history, it all happens here. Looking to enhance your radio experience? Participate in live interactive chat 24-7 with our radio show hosts and other like-minded people on www.LiveParanormal.com the only interactive social chat room supported by full interactive media. Stop by now and join in on the fun.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.